and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available, as always. The podcast is part of the Odyssey family. I got my guy Mario here handling the production. You can get the podcast on the Odyssey app or on Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere else you get podcasts. This is going to be the first one that actually goes up on YouTube. So you can go to the YouTube uh, channel, Rose Garden Report. Also, subscribe help grow the show there. This is going to be our first real episode in a couple of weeks. I apologize. I, I, I keep saying, oh, we're going to have a new episode soon. We're going to have a new episode soon. I, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming all of you can probably relate to this, or at least some of you can relate. I had kind of a nightmare travel week during the holiday. <laughs> I was in Vegas at the G League Showcase, and then I was in Denver to cover the game against the Nuggets, and uh, things things went a little bit sideways on the travel, so I mean, I, I you guys are seeing what's going on in the news with all of that. I'm sure a lot of you also have your own horror stories about that. I won't bore you with it, but those of you who were traveling for the holidays, I hope you guys were all able to get back safely, and I hope you had a good Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or you know, whatever the case may be, whatever you were celebrating. I hope you've had a good week or so with your family, uh or whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, so we have an actual Blazers-focused full episode for you guys. It's been a minute, but now that the holiday stuff is kind of in the past, we're kind of going to get back into a normal rhythm going forward. Friend of the program, Danny Morang. You guys all, I'm sure, know him by now. Jack Ramsey's Danny and Dusty on 1080 The Fan. We just kind of have a general discussion of where we think the team is at right now. We go over some of the injury stuff, some of the weird Gary Payton stuff that's going on. It's it, it, it's all just kind of... It, it, this is kind of more of like a back-to-basics episode. We also get into the Dame ceremony when he became the franchise's all-time leading scorer and the ceremony and the tribute stuff that they did after the Charlotte game. So this is a good discussion, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Again, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all of that kind of stuff, rosegardenreport.com for the newsletter. And let's get to the discussion right now. Danny, thank you for doing this. It's been, was the last time you and I did this, uh, the broadcast thing? I think so. I think, I know, because I was on Jack Ramsey's like after the preseason. Yeah, we've done a couple since, like back and forth. And then we had the the whole, will the broadcast team travel? I think that was the last time you were on here. Yeah, I think think so. Dude, like, there's so many, I, I lose track. I think that's how this works now is it all kind of blends into one. Yeah. And especially right. Like now that the season is starting, like the days are all running together and uh, (laughs) especially, and especially you didn't, you didn't travel for the, for the holidays. Did you? No, thank God. Does this happen to you? The longer you cover a team and like the more you're around it, the less, you know, what games and what days are what. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. I've I, I think it's been probably ten years since I've had any concept of 
space-time continuum. What day of the week the it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and even, even like, I should, I should know the whole schedule off the top of my head, but I had to think, like, okay, so they've got Golden State, and then the game next week is Detroit, and then the road trip is what? And, then, like, yeah, it's just... I'm surprised every time I look at the schedule, like, oh, that game's coming up. It just, it all blends together now. That's, especially this far into the season, it's, it's dumb. What are we, game 33, game 34? 30. Right, right. About, right, to right. Be, about the Golden State is about to be 35. Okay, so we're six games away from midseason? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, no, that feels weird. And it we still, weird. and it's still in the, in the, in the stage, I feel like, with this team, and this is probably where we should start, of, mm-hmm. I think we I think we had all been saying that we had hoped that like by Christmas we'd have some sort of idea of what mm-hmm. things are. Do you also still feel like you don't have that much of an idea of where things are cuz I'm kind of that's kind of where I am. Yeah, um in in all honesty, I talked to a few people within the organization over the last couple of days and they wish they had more time before the trade deadline coming up here uh in what 45 6 days. weeks or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, and a lot of that has to do with, and in, it's not just what where they're currently at. We're basically man number six, seven, and eight in Mr. Little, Justice Winslow, and Gary Payton II are all out. Which we'll they've, get to, by the way. Yes, but they've missed Dame. They've yeah. missed Nurk. They've missed Jeremy. They've missed Josh. Ants missed a couple. missed a couple. Like, literally every single rotation player has missed time. And they've had very, they, they haven't had one game this season with their top eight because Gary hasn't played yet. Dame and Ant have had, I want to say 15 or 17 games together, like where the rotation is mostly there, but still not quite. So that my feeling, and, and I think the organization's feeling is that while they've seen some stuff in there, I, I think they're, there's one thing I know they're certain of that they believe in Anthony and mm-hmm. that they believe in Jeremy Grant. Like the, the two big additions to this, right. to this team, those are two things they are a hundred percent sold on and, and, and believe will be blocks going forward. I think Other to a that, lesser extent, eh, you can, I think to a lesser extent you can put Shaden in that category too. I think they, Oh feel, yes. Yes. I think they, I think they feel like they, like they're, I know he's, you know, he's had an up and down rookie season, looked awesome yeah. at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, he's hit kind of a wall the, so far uh, like the last month or so. But I think they feel like they made the right call with that draft pick. And they sure. feel like he's somebody that, you know, barring, I don't know, Kevin Durant revisiting his trade request. They, they, they feel like he's somebody that they, they want to keep around. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I would say that for the most part, Shaden Sharp figures 99.9% into their plans going forward. Like, yes. I think the line you draw for... Shaden Sharp not factoring into things the Trailblazers in the immediacy or the long term is if an all NBA guy who matches the timeline becomes right. available. Like right. that's and again, that's a pretty significant line to cross. Right, right. And I, I I thought it was interesting what Chauncey said today at practice, which you and I were both at when mm-hmm. I asked him just a kind of about Shaden's progress. He had a he had a line that I really liked, which is he eats what he kills, which is basically yeah. just like. The way it's kind of been is that Chauncey will put him in the first half and get, you know, mm-hmm. have his usual first half shift. And that's kind of moved up, especially now that Justice Winslow is out for a while. And uh, then Chauncey said, like, if, if he doesn't like what he saw from Shade in the, in the first half, he's not going to play him in the second half. That's, I, I, it's, the no, it's the Noah Vonley Memorial Minutes. 
that, that Stotts used to have, where he oh, got yeah. he got those six minutes in the first half of the starting lineup always because physical profile, right? Yeah. And and Shaden, I think, is very much the same thing. Now, Vonley was a little bit further along in the process and really not – it was more of a home run swing. Let's see if, like, he figures some stuff out. Uh-huh. With Shaden, it's like, let's see if he figures some stuff out and we can continue building on it. And I, I talked to folks in the organization that even though he has struggled – over the last couple of weeks with his shot, they're not worried about the offense. N- nobody in the organization is worried about Shaden Sharp's offense for him or for them. I think they're looking at him and, and Chauncey alluded to this th- today. Yeah. It's the little stuff. It's being in the right spot at the right time, making the right reads. And for a 19 year old kid who didn't play college basketball, he has some good nights and he has some bad nights. And they're a team that uh, Josh Hurt talked about today. They've lost some games that they should not have lost. And they're in the business of winning games. And Chauncey, as much as everybody talked about Chauncey being willing to play the the young guys and how different that is from Terry, now that it's like, oh, we need to win some games, you can see Chauncey going, well, maybe I can maybe I can shorten the range, shorten the leash a little bit on on second half shade minutes if he doesn't have it. Chauncey kind of alluded to that today too. I mean, not not just also, so first of all, he said that the last two days in practice, Shaden has looked he said incredible on both yeah. ends. So which he should because he has tools that can just do right. stuff, right? Right. But he also said that, and he said this straight up, which is just that there's a reason a lot of coaches don't play young guys if they're trying to win because at a certain point you rely on the guys that you feel like you can trust. And right now that's, you know, Josh Hart. And that's, uh, it was Justice Winslow. It's it's a starting lineup in Justice. That's really what it is. And now Justice, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now with Justice, like they said a couple days ago that he's going to be out for, or that he's going to be Uh reevaluated in two weeks. You and I, I think have both seen his ankle and you've seen the walking boot. We've seen the crutches. crutches, I don't think he's going to be back in two weeks. I, listen, I'm going to go on the on the long run here. I'm going to say he's out until All-Star. I think that's reasonable. I He may come back before that, but you're talking like probably a couple days before that. And then just, at that point, like why, why would you even? Why play him? Yeah. Like, let, let, him, let him get the two more weeks of rest that he'll get. And, and listen, that's, that's not a small thing for Portland because without Justice, without Gary, without Nas, they are without all of their like premium depth off the bench. Like Shaden is the only like the only other guy you're looking at Shaden and Keon like, and again both hyper athletic they've got some toolsy stuff but they're both kids. one they're both kids number two neither of them are that big like right. Nas is 225 230 Justice is 230 GP's like 225 and one of the meanest on ball dudes in the league like they are losing some juice physically and one of the things that Chauncey has harped on the defensive focus over the last couple of weeks is number one, their communication, number two, their physicality. And they just don't have the bodies and the dudes to be physical without injustice. I think is a big tone setter. I mean, realistically your, your physical guys, quote unquote, are right, right now that are active are Josh, Jeremy to an extent, Nurk and probably drew. And how many of those guys are Drew's undersized, Josh's undersized, Nurk is what night is it? Right. So their their physicality has to come from places that's maybe not quite as normal or quite as natural within the lineup. I wonder if we're gonna see any Jabari Walker during this stretch. I I think they'll toy with it. One thing that Chauncey has already done is he has shown and I I asked him about the lineups at practice today, uh-huh. and he said that was the like the hardest thing for him right now was trying to figure out what to do with the lineups because he's missing again, six, seven, and eight, and really all your wing versatility. So they've gone to this 
this bench group, right, of Ant, Keon, Shaden at times, and Trendon and Drew. And it's like, eh, you, you got to squint to see it. It's a lot of youth and not a lot of shooting. Jabari's looked pretty plug and play every time he's been out there. I think the hesitation, the, the, the thing about a Jabari is this is where Jabari and Shaden, I think, are different. I think Jabari is better right now in the sense of like knowing where to be, how to be, who to be, but he's not delivering. Whereas Shaden maybe is a little bit shakier on the who, what, when, where, why, but his delivery is so wow over the top, whether it's a up and under reverse, a put back dunk, a rebound out of nowhere. Jabari's is much more muted, but the problem is he's in the right spot. He's taking the right shot. He's not hitting. He's in the right spot for a rebound, but he's just not quite physical enough to beat out, you know, the the starting big he may be going up against. So he's got to, I, I think mentally he's in the right spaces. I think physically he's got to deliver. And I think Chauncey's probably going to at least try a little bit more with Jabari in the next couple of weeks. I mean, mostly because he has to, <laughs> but I think the other part of that is Jabari's at least shown and I think this most coaches would be like along these lines of he at least has shown that he is in the right places. And it's a lot easier to convince yourself as a coach. I mean, let's, let's look back at last year who was getting minutes and putting up trillion stat lines over and over again, but not making mistakes. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, I think if you look at it, Chauncey will go towards a guy who won't make a mistake a little bit more, even if they aren't delivering. We should probably talk, and I'm going to write this for tomorrow. We should talk about the Gary Payton thing, because it's gotten to a point now where, <laughs> you know, you, you and I, I think both on our respective uh, platforms have mm. been saying, have been basically saying everything's fine up until, you know, a certain point. You know, I think, I think both of us had kind of heard that Thanksgiving was when they had been shooting to yeah. bring him back. And so then uh, the last real official update that we've gotten about him was November 18th. And they said then that he would be reevaluated in two weeks. It's over a month since then. We're talking like probably so five, we'll, six weeks since we'll then. Six weeks. Yeah. And uh, we still don't really have any clarity. He has not been made available to talk to us. We've been asking Chauncey and whoever about it at practice. And they've all just kind of said the same thing, that he's been doing more, that he's looked good. But it just depends on... You know, when he feels comfortable, when the staff feels comfortable. I have I have enjoyed they've they've been going out of their way to try to make you know, to try to try to have it be a shared responsibility thing in uh-huh. the public uh you know, comments about it, even though it's 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 very obvious kind of what's going on because uh, some we, we asked Chauncey today whether mm-hmm. it's up to him whether he when he plays. And Chauncey said, well, no, it's a collective thing. But then, like, he walked it back, like, two minutes later and said that actually, you know, whenever Gary tells them he's ready to go, they'll put him out there. So it's 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 very clear now that it's really just, you know, it's up to him. It's, when It's on Gary. Yeah. And it, I don't I don't know what, what that means or, you know, I, I it would be help. This is where it would be helpful if he was made available to us to talk to so we could ask him about this himself because I don't think. And we have asked. Can, we've asked for him. Yeah, we've, 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 we've tried to get him and it. 
it's been declined and by they're not breaking any rules by not having him talk to us by rule the players are only required to be made available once after they have a surgery he talked at media day and he talked uh, like beginning of november so Mm -hmm. they aren't breaking any rules by not having him talk to us but it certainly would it it would it would help with the messaging whatever 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 they're trying to put out about it i think it would help if he was able to talk himself that's the thing is i think if nothing else gary being made available to at least because there there have been multiple reports both from shans shams and, and chris haynes yeah about his, his the, the mental aspect of it all uh-huh and i think gary just coming out or being made available to come out and say hey uh it's just it's weird to go through it's, yeah. it's like i'm a guy who like my job is to blow up screens. My job is to be incredibly aggressive at the point of attack. And I need to feel a hundred percent comfortable mentally in my body, knowing I can trust that because I made this first real contract in my NBA career off my body being basically a defensive missile. And him just saying that, look, I think would probably extinguish some fire. Some people are going to be bad no matter what. Some people are going to equate this to Festus Cecilia, no matter what. Some people are going to equate this to Pau Gasol, no matter what. I don't think this is that. No, I don't it's, think this it's is that one not day. because first of all, I mean, so Powell was like a million years old when they yes. signed him, and Azili had a degenerative knee condition that had that had affected him during his time with the Warriors that they yeah. knew about when they signed him, and that was just like a depth piece anyway. That wasn't yeah. like not neither of those are similar situations. I, I get it, I get why fans go there, but neither of those are similar situations. No, they aren't, and you know, it, I was told by multiple people that Gary would be probably ready to go around Thanksgiving. I've heard from multiple people that he's been entirely physically cleared to go, that he has been entirely physically cleared to go for weeks. And it is just him and his ability to feel comfortable in his body. And again, this is this surgery. We've, we've talked to Nas and Dame about this. Yeah. There, there is a hurdle to overcome because this is where everything comes from. It's your core. I was just talking to Nas about this a couple days ago and yeah. he was he was saying that out of his ma- his injury his major injuries that he'd had the shoulder the core and then mm-hmm. the hip thing that he's dealing with right now he he told me that the core was actually the most painful because that just affects everything and that was the everything hardest one do. that was the hardest one to live with day to day and it's just a matter of being able to trust him and i would imagine that gary securing his first real contract in the nba wants to make sure that he can trust it 100% so that he can go out and earn one more contract and I don't, I, I get that. Like, I, I know why people are frustrated, but at the same time, you can also be like, yeah, this guy worked his ass off for 10 years, got his first real contract, and he wants to be able to make sure that he can get one more real contract going forward. He's 30 already is the thing. Yes. He's only, he, yeah. that's the thing people kind of forget about him is that, you know, he's, he's been bouncing around in the NBA and the G league for a while, mm-hmm. but he only really caught on with the Warriors last, last year. And, half. Yeah. and that is then so that, you know, people kind of think of him as a young player because that was the first time he really, you know, had a prominent role on a team that was like doing anything. And he wasn't really well known before then besides just his name being what it is and his dad being who his dad is, but he's 30. He's been around. He's got one more deal. Yeah. Like he's Probably. got, like, He's got one more deal in him, and I understand it. So you want to make sure, right? And here's the thing. I I do expect him to make a return relatively soon. Re- I don't. What, like, I, what, whatever relative is. Uh, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you on that. I don't think he is not going to play this season. No. I'm And I'm not. I, until they actually come out and say he's not going to play this season, I'm still under the assumption that he's going to play at some point. But as far as when that's going to be, I know that there, you know, there have been people who are 
guessing that he's going to play in the Charlotte game that just happened or at some point in the last road trip mm-hmm. or on the Golden State one that's coming up on Friday or, you know, the Detroit one after that. Like, everybody is just guessing. Like, the only person that knows when he's going to play is him. Like, the, the medical staff can say, you know, he's all clear with us. Mm-hmm. Chauncey can say, you know, I I feel good about where he is. Where he's at. Yeah, yeah. Which, which he basically told us today that as soon as Gary goes to him and says, I'm ready to go, Chauncey's all he's, on he'll board go. To, he'll throw, to throw him out there. So the, he did say he's going to be on a minutes restriction, I don't, I, which, which we expect, all expect. But, like, I, there's only one person that knows when he's going to play, and that's him. And this, and I think this is kind of important, too, to kind of frame this. Um, they practiced today and they practiced yesterday. Uh-huh. I, I was told that Gary played in five on five uh, two days ago and looked incredible out there. Uh, he went full go yesterday in practice. Today, he did not do everything. Chauncey Billups did say that Gary did not do everything today. So that kind of lets you know how he's feeling pain-wise, struggle-wise, after recovery like that's it's still something is lingering so even if he does re- let's say that they go down to golden state and they come back and he makes his return here because i still I, I i don't think he ends up playing against golden state could he sure it's, but just it, they haven't ruled it, did, it out no it didn't sound i mean you were in the room it didn't yeah, sound like chauncey was like, like i didn't get the sense that chauncey feels ready. like it's gonna happen no <laughs> but let's say he does come back here I, I very much believe that not only the one, the, the minutes restriction, but number two, I would be surprised if he played a back-to-back for like a month. Oh, I'm not expecting him to play back-to-backs at all going forward. I mean, like, it, it's going to be something that they manage for quite some time. There, he may, Let's say he comes back for a game or two, and he's just like, eh, not, it's not feeling great. I need a couple days. He may, he may be somebody for a month, 45 days, who they – do some injury management stuff with and he rests some nights and other nights not it just there's just a lot still going on that we don't know and until he's back on the floor it's a lot of guessing games i mean this is actually a good stretch for him to come back if that's the case though because pile of home games a pile of home games b they don't have their next back-to-back. They only have two back-to-backs in January. They have the mm-hmm. double home, the, the baseball series against the Mavericks on the 14th yeah. and 15th. And then they have two straight home games against the Lakers on the 22nd and the Spurs on the 23rd. Other than that, it's A, a lot of home games, and B, not a whole lot of back-to-backs. And then they have one. They have the Washington-Chicago one on the road. And then uh, I think, oh, then they have another home home and home before the all-star break Lakers winter. So they really don't have a whole ton of mm-hmm. stuff. He would have to miss before the all-star break if they're managing him on back to back. Yeah. So it, it, it's a good time for him to come back. Will he, won't he? I don't know. Let's we'll find we'll, out. We'll, I mean, we'll, the way stay tuned, <laughs> stay tuned, stay tuned up until the exact, you know, 30 minutes before tip off on Friday mm-hmm. when they're required to disclose it, because what's going to happen is, Okay, let's let's say everything falls into place and he says I'm good to play. What they're gonna do is tomorrow afternoon at five p.m., which is the He'll deadline for injury reporting. They'll upgrade him from he's been out, he's been listed as out the entire year. They'll upgrade him to questionable. Mm-hmm. If and that then, happens, then the eyebrows should raise. Then you if if he gets upgraded to questionable, that to me that would mean the intent is for him to play. And then or bet- at bare minimum to ramp up to the game, right? And see if he's a go. And they're not gonna actually tell us until like 
the the deadline to submit lineups 30 minutes before yeah thing it because will, it will not go up and it'll it'll go no because what's going to happen and i'm not going to be at the game in golden state but casey or you know whichever the reporters are going to be down there is going to ask chauncey is he going to play? And Chauncey is going to say something, and I can already tell you exactly how this is going to go. Chauncey is going to say, well, he's going to warm up and see how he feels. We'll, and we'll so see they, how he feels. It'll be a game-time decision. Yeah. And then 30 minutes before the game starts, the teams are actually required by the league. The one, the one good thing about the NBA getting in bed with all these gambling companies is they are required to be a little bit transparent about injury reporting and mm-hmm. when lineups. So there is an actual deadline for when teams have to report their, you know, their, their stuff. And so, and that I think it's it's a half an hour before tip. So if it's a seven p.m. tip, they have to announce, they have to put it into the league by six thirty, which players are available to play, which ones are not. And so that would be when we would find out for sure whether he's available and whether he's not. Yeah, and uh, again, if if they flip him to questionable tomorrow, I'll, I will be surprised to everybody. But that's that's your indicator. That's your yeah. I think I think they're yeah. That that's kind of where that's uh, that's that's all out right now. So it's just it's it's a waiting game. Uh, one thing I actually kind of want to ask you about, this is something you and I have talked about. You are currently in the midst of a whole bunch of stuff going on with your own hips. Yeah. And when Nasir Little had his, his little hip fracture, mm-hmm. you and I, this is an injury that you've dealt with before and it's something yeah. that you have experienced. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious from your standpoint, like what, what is going on there? Yeah. So... He's due for another set of imaging. Is it before the trip or when they get back from the trip? I was told it would be this week, but I haven't. Okay. I haven't checked so, on it. I don't know if they've done it yet. But. So I would imagine it would be it was either today or tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so with with that, I think the closest thing we can kind of compare this to with the Trailblazers was Zach Collins when he had the fracture in his foot, uh-huh. right? And what ends up happening if those if those don't heal correctly, you end up needing to get screws in them. Um, mine was so bad that they had to completely redo the hip. That was the problem there. And that was the first one, the one that you did over the summer. Yeah. Well, no, in the winter. Yeah. You're almost a year ago now in February. Uh-huh. Uh, I recovered about late July. So it takes about six months to fully come back from. Um, Nasir is already off the crutches and moving around. What you're hoping and praying for is that when the imaging comes up, that that crack is disappearing and it's healing on its own. It doesn't need to be reinforced because if it needs to be reinforced and they need to go through screws, it is a violently disgusting procedure because you're talking about going through a lot. Like to get to a hip socket, you got to go through a lot and then you got to put screws in and you got to stay off of it entirely. You got to let it set. You got to let it heal. You're talking about weeks and then you start atrophying. And this is what Nasir kind of dealt with, with his shoulder, right? You have to, you can't do anything with it for weeks and months on end. And so with Nasir, you're just hoping and praying that that, fracture goes away and it heals on its own. It's totally cool. No worries because if it comes back up and it's either spidered out or, or made worse or not healing. Then, then, then he's in trouble. So it's good to see him up and moving and uh-huh. feeling good. And Those he was even all- getting some shots up. The mm-hmm. only, the only thing he wasn't doing was jumping. Like yes. he was, he was, he was standing around the basket, getting up set shots and getting up on his tiptoes, but not actually leaving his feet. And I was actually talking to him a little bit before the game. And he told, he basically, he said that physically he could jump if he wanted to, yeah. but uh, that 
he's waiting until the doctors give him the all clear to do which it is before smart. he does it. Which is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> especially I, I, even even though he already got his money, like he doesn't have to worry about like this affecting his his contract. Like he still wants to get back out there and play. You don't, so. you don't want to make this any worse either. And that was a funny because we, we were sitting there watching him kind of go through his little bit of uh, shooting exercises with, uh-huh. with, with Scott Brooks. And I was I couldn't remember which hip it was that he was favoring. I remember asking you, I was like, you remember what hip it was? And I was like, was it his right? You're like, yeah, it was just right. And I was like, yeah, he's still favoring it. So even yeah. though he's still doing stuff, like he was, it's kind of hard to explain, but he was kind of giving a little bit of a jab step. And he was uh-huh. certainly much stronger to his left than to his right. So even though he's feeling better, he's still being smart about it. He's not trying to explode. He's not dipping. He's not over-exaggerating. So he's he's being smart about stuff. And that's that's good to see because you. this is an injury, like I said, it can be a lot worse if he, I mean, we saw what happened with Zach. I mean, yeah. th- th- that that went on for what a year yeah and if if you don't take care of it if it doesn't heal right then it it opens up a lot of doors and this year's been through enough like <laughs> let's let's be honest yeah he's been so unlucky with all of this stuff going yeah. like going back to even before the covid thing like when he was in the bubble he had the concussion mm-hmm. and the dehydration and then yep covid and then the, the shoulder the shoulder and then the core and then the hit like the hip, it's just yeah. been one thing after another for him and yeah when before well, before he was before he had this hip injury, he was playing pretty well when he was actually out there. He looked like he, he was, was kind of starting, starting round, to yeah, he was put rounding the form, and that's yeah. what what's a real bummer is because like it's, it's there's two players right now, the two younger guys who I think were both showing stuff, and in in an at a time when they would have gotten more minutes, Keon was looking like hey he's got some juice. Yeah, Dame Dame goes down, Keon got undercut in practice and landed awkwardly that's where it happened he fell in practice and he landed on his hip and he gets that hit pointer it was bad enough to keep him out for over a month like but he would have he would have gotten significant burn with dame out and now with justice out um with um gary still out Nas would have gotten significant burn in this time period and maybe even earned that starting spot because i still i still think and i've said this the whole time i've said this since before camp Everybody in the organization wanted Nas to earn yep. the starting spot at small forward because Josh Hart, skill-wise, is better used coming off the bench. And supporting Ant when running that second unit. Like yeah. having a secondary creator, ball handler, a little bit more of a, a utilitarian defender, like stuff that you kind of want to have next to Ant in that group. And again, I, talking to people in the organization, I don't think that's changed. I think in a perfect world, Josh Hart is coming off the bench for them. Like if, if, if they could have it be any way they would have Nas be the starter and they would have Josh coming off the bench. And that would kind of balance things out as far as kind of what they need. And I, I think the Suns just passed the Blazers as the team that had lost the most like, um, right. Vorp wins. Um, injury. Well, they also just, they just lost Devin Booker for a month. month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to grow. Um, yeah. Losing a top 10, top 12 guy will do that to you for sure. But, with Dame missing so much time early on, especially uh, with Ant missing games and Nurk missing games and Jeremy missing games, Josh missing games, like when you're when you've lost like 25 games, manpower wise, early on the season to your starters, it it definitely impacts you. But taking a step back and looking at where this Blazers team is right now, like the fact that they're a, a little above 500, and you consider how much depth they haven't had and how many like. If you if you weight the minutes by age, 
the Blazers, I think, I think are the third or fourth youngest team in the league on, on average. If you wait, James, the only minutes, over 30 guy on the team. Yes. If you wait it by minutes, they are stupid young. They, like it's 23 and he's getting 35 a night. Josh is 25. Like these guys are like the only prime in prime guy, like in the 27 to 32 window or uh, Dame Nurk and uh, Jeremy. Jeremy. Like, I mean, you could throw Gary in there, but he hasn't played. So it's it's super weird to be able to get like coming full circle to like evaluating where this team is at because they haven't been whole at all this year. And I, they're not perfect, but I think the front office very much would like to see what this team looks like with a full complement of their eight-slash-nine-man rotation. Do we think they're going to get that answer before the deadline? I think they'll probably get two weeks of it at most. And that's probably excluding justice. But and as much as I love justice, I don't think he's that crucial to like he's not the, as the much experiment. a part of the long-term plan as sure. Like people are. I, I would imagine that the, the core of this team is essentially the starters in, sh- in shape. Like that's, that's what I would imagine, like where they're at. You can, you can talk me into Nas being in that, but I would say his contract probably doesn't preclude him, but it's certainly not something where it's a definite. And I, and I love Nas and I hope he gets healthy and I want him to be the guy that outperforms that contract by a million dollars. And so he gets onto his next deal and becomes a star in this league. I'm not saying any of the, any of those things I'm saying from what they have seen from Nas until now, it's very much proven. I don't think they're they're in any hurry to give up on him or anything along those lines. But if I had to tighten it down entirely, I'd say Dame Ant Grant Sharp. That would be like the core core to me. You yeah. can talk me into Hart. You can talk me into Nurk. You can talk me into Nas. Yeah. So the, when I did that trade season primer a couple of weeks ago, the, mm-hmm. those are the four guys that I said are yeah. just not going to be traded. Yeah, and it's interesting. Well, as much as we talk about trade season, we are let's see what three nine days away from Jeremy Grant being able to be resigned. Extended. Or extended, yeah. excuse me. I think that's going to get done. I don't know if it's going to get done in season, but if it doesn't get done mm-hmm. in season, I think it's going to be an ant situation where like they saw, they agree to a they deal know. like midnight on July 1st or whatever. Listen, if anybody has put themselves in the position to test the waters, it is Jeremy. He's but having, I, a, he's having I, a career. I here. don't think it's going to happen though. I think I yeah. think he's comfortable here. I think they didn't mm-hmm. trade for him to not resign. I don't think he's going to even talk to other teams. I think it's going to be an ant situation where it just gets done immediately if they don't do an extension. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I I I don't think they do an extension because with the extension you're only getting two. Yeah. I don't with with the with the resign you get the full four. No, you I, get I, no. I think you can get the four. You can only get the two now. That's the thing. The thing right now, yeah. But the, after January, but after January, yes. I think it's, is it what the six after the six after the six he can get the full four. Yes, I'm just saying at a slower at a lower as... dollar amount. But if he's willing to, if he's if he likes it here and wants like I I don't know I I don't know either way. <laughs> I don't know either way. It, it's gonna be interesting because Jeremy has been everything they've wanted and more. Yeah. So and that's the other thing, is that I don't think they brought. I, I know there's been this like giant vocal minority talking about how Jeremy Grant shouldn't be defending point guards and he's not good at it. Number one, he's good at it. I there's haven't no, seen that. There's there's nothing Jeremy Grant defensively isn't good at other than maybe securing rebounds. You're you're a little bit deeper in the recesses of Blazers <laughs> internet than I am. I haven't seen this. I've had it come up in, 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 the, in the in the comments and, and uh, 
when I do mailbags, I've had it come up in the comments on the YouTube videos. It's something that's out there and it's super weird because either second spectrum or um, synergy, no matter where you look at, he it rates out incredibly well as a defender. But I think the organization would like to see him be a guy who doesn't have to expend right. all the energy that he is right now defensively. Like what happens when you have Gary to be able to throw on guards where you have Josh to be able to maybe allow Jeremy to backseat a little bit more defensively to gamble a little bit more, to be a little bit more aggressive, to save some of that energy and be even better on offense, which is kind of a terrifying thing when you consider the offensive season he's had. And that's just something they haven't been able to do because they've had to have Jeremy pick take primary assignments every single night. So to end this, I think on a little bit more of a positive note, what, what, what were your thoughts on the Dame ceremony the other night? Man, it was super cool. Um, I know it like you and I have talked about this record for probably three years. Like we, yeah. we, 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 we've talked to people around Dame and this is something that they have very much wanted to see happen. Like they knew this was going to happen, like barring a catastrophic meltdown. This is always something that was kind of in the cards the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And since we, it was such a th- long time coming i was like i'm not gonna care about this i got goosebumps i, I thought they goosebumps. did a really good job with it i mean every every single part of it from like they had the little like in between quarters and during timeouts they had all the clips of different guys congratulating him mm-hmm. i thought that was cool i thought lamar did a great job with the speech he afterwards the hell out of that thing, i mean man. it was fantastic. there's there's no there's nobody better God. to have do something like that I lamar is him. just so good at I that hate stuff. Him so much I hate that he's so good at everything. It drives me. He's insane. so good at that, and he's such a nice guy too. <laughs> I'm still, sad, I'm still like for those of you who are like listeners. I don't know, I don't know how many people listen to me and don't listen to Jack Ramsey's, but those of you who somehow haven't heard Lamar's interview on Jack Ramsey's, yeah, I would go gosh, back and listen to that. He was so good. The story that he tells about why he actually tried to get on The Bachelor, which is not actually to get on The Bachelor, <laughs> because I, the the woman that is now his wife was girlfriend at the time was in on it. Like you, you need to. We can't do it justice on no. here. You need you guys should go go back and Jack Ramsey's like YouTube or it's whatever it's been to the, it's been to the top with yeah with all the, go with all the go do that but like, Lamar did a great job and and then, and also just like when when Dame's kids were like running around like like the I think my favorite moment of the whole time was I can't I don't know which of the twins it was but one of the twins jumps up off of Kayla's lap runs over to Lamar and then like runs over to kind of like five feet beyond the three point line and Lamar just like without missing a beat Lamar turns around and goes hey that's where Daddy shoots from. Just crushes it. <laughs> it's just so good. And then Dame's speech was great. And then Dame was great in the post-game media session afterwards. Just every single part of it, I think, was uh, was just. Uh, listen, I, I I don't I didn't know if I wanted to share this or not, but I will because I think it's really cool. Do I know this? No, you don't. Okay. Um, after the press conference, uh, after that game, I went into the hallway and talked to Dame. Okay. And I just went and congratulated him. Uh huh. And not as like a media member, but it's just kind of a, a fan of his game and what he has done and what he has met. Sure. And I thought it was super cool because kind of coming full circle. I told him, listen, man, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an L.A. guy. I, my whole family grew up as Lakers fans. My cousins are Lakers fans. My like my family and friends, they're all Lakers fans. Like everybody I knew was a Lakers fan. I was dyed in the wool L.A. And the first basketball game I ever saw was Blazers Lakers. And it was Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler brought me to this team, brought me to this franchise. There's nobody I wanted to see break this record more than you because of what you've kind of personified. And the thing that I told him, I think this is this is the coolest thing about Dame is 
he's the guy now for those kids. Totally. He's the guy that brings that next generation of fans in. And to be a guy that has embraced this city so much, I didn't used to really care about that stuff. As I've gotten older, it's mattered a little bit more to me. And for all of the tropes and all of the, oh, he's a swell guy. It's true. It is. Every bit of it is true. Like, you know, he said, he told me, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's, it was sincere. Yeah. It was heartfelt. Like it was. Dame's a genuine guy. Dame. It, there are, there have been, there have been other players that I've covered where you say, oh yeah, he's a nice guy. But like, you kind of know that it's, it's sort of a put on or whatever. Even of the nice guys in the league. There's like, there's, there's a ton of nice guys. Don't be wrong. There's bad guys in the league. There are. Right. For, for all the people that are, that are out there, there are. But there are some genuinely good dudes. There's only two that I've, as far as like superstar level guys. Like, I mean, there's plenty of like mm-hmm. role players. As far as like superstar level guys who are also this good to deal with, like on a media basis that I've personally dealt with. There is only two that come to mind. One of them is Dirk. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Chris Bosh. That's a great one. Who I always thought was like, I, I, I never covered him day to day, but like, I just, you know, when he was in Miami, those last, like I was, I was in Chicago, those last couple of LeBron Wade Bosch years in, yeah. in, in Miami. So I, you know, I, and I covered that heat Pacers uh, conference finals, the last one. So I was around him a little bit. I always just found him to be a super thoughtful down to earth type of guy. I thought he always got kind of a bad rap for whatever reason during some of those years. And I always thought he handled all that stuff really well. And then also just like ever since like what happened to him with having to medically retire, I've listened to him on some podcasts mm-hmm. since then. And he seems like he just has really good perspective about the whole thing. He and he's just it. genuinely grateful to be where he is and to be, you know, to have had the career that he had, even though it didn't end maybe the way he wanted it to. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is he gets it. And again, I'm not sharing this to say like, look at how cool I am. I talked to Dame and I congratulate him. I, sure. I, I don't want it to be that. Right. Right. This right, is, right. this is just like my, my personal anecdote of my experience with Dame in a moment that don't get it twisted. This means something to him. It does. This is again, this is something he wanted for years and it's not just to hang up on the wall. It's because he knows if he is top in points, Top in assists, top in games played, top in games won, top in three pointers made, there in rebounds. Like if he's there, it it's unassailable. It's unassailable. You can say Bill Walton, he won a title. It's like, yeah, he only played five years. You can say Clyde. It's like, yeah, but he's Houston's. You can say whatever. If Dame has all of this stuff. He doesn't have to say it. It says it for him. And that's just like part of his legacy is that he's not a braggadocious guy. Now, don't get me wrong on that floor. He'll let you. He will. He'll, 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 he picks his spots. He picks (laughs) his spots, but he is not a guy like he's just, his, his attitude is not that way. And you heard it in his speech. I grew up with, of so many family members, so many cousins, you know, if, if one guy couldn't go, we all, we all couldn't go. Like that's, that's who he was. And there was a line that Lamar said that who he is as a person matters more than anything he ever does before he steps on a basketball court. And if you ever get to talk to him, if, even for a moment, you will feel that. And that's what made that night for me. So cool is that, I have covered every second of his career to see it 
not culminate, but to see this milestone crossed, the way the team handled it, the the, the I mean, listen, man, ET, Mo, Stotts, uh, Pop, KD, Tim Frazier, Tatum, Frazier, Batum, Lamarcus, like to do all of that. Those guys, they can say no. And they don't because Dame is that guy. And you've been around the league a long time, Sean. Mm -hmm. How many guys in the league do you think have the reputation of Dame in the sense of how many people do you think think negatively of Dame outside of Pat Beverly? I think you're probably, I, I think there, I think if there's one, and this is something that gets kind of misunderstood about Dame and I maybe this is more of a fan thing than a player mm-hmm. thing, but the one piece of backlash that I've kind of seen towards Dame has been the whole, why does he always feel the need to tell us about how he's staying in Portland and he's not running from the grind or whatever? Mm-hmm. And what I keep saying over and over again is he only talks about that because he keeps getting asked about it. Stop asking no about creativity. it. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, I was very happy on media day when none of the local reporters brought that up and asked him about it, and we all kind of realized it is a dead issue, and it's not something... Nurk was the only one who brought it up! And here's the other part of it when it comes to, like, I I mean, I like, I you know, you, you, you're talking about, like, all this legacy stuff and, like, what this moment means for Dame. This is something that I wrote, I think, the morning that it was going to happen when he mm-hmm. passed uh, Clyde in Oklahoma City. He's doing it in a season when the Blazers have something to play for, when there's something on yeah. the line... He would and have done this last year. He could have. Would anybody have enjoyed Oof. it if he did this last year? When God, like, it would have sucked. If they had like delayed his surgery just so that he could stay out there long enough to do this, and he's playing alongside, uh, you know, C.J. Ellaby and Kelgen Blevins. All right, I guess I guess Kelgen Blevins is. Kelgen Blevins. So that would have been, been kind of cool for him. I bet. By the way, Kelgen. By the way, Kelgen Blevins just signed in Romania. I don't know. If I you saw, saw that. that. Good for him. <laughs> Good. Go Get the, the bag. But any. But but. but at some point in the next month, LeBron is going to pass Kareem, and nobody is going to care because the Lakers, even before the Anthony Davis injury, the Lakers' season was basically over. There's nothing for them to, like, maybe they make one of these trades, and that gets them into, like, the fringes of the 10th spot in the play-in. But LeBron, you know, arguably one of the two, three greatest players of all time, is going to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer in games that are just completely meaningless. And it would have sucked it's, if Dame was doing that if Dame was becoming the Blazers all-time leading scorer in that kind of a season in those kind of games. It would have it would have felt cheap or cheapened. And it's the same thing with when uh a co- like one of their last home games the game was it uh who was it against that they uh the the one the one where he had the 11 threes. Who was oh, it like where they, they lost? Like we were saying they all run together. No, the one yeah. the no the one here. Oh, um... No, they, they, they won that. No, it was, it was a Minnesota one. It was the Minnesota, second Minnesota yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game. The second Minnesota game. He ties the franchise record of 11 threes. And people are, like, chanting... for it, yeah. Right, people are chanting, like, we want Dave... We, like, they, they wanted him to put him back... We wanted Chauncey to put him back in to either break the franchise record or pass Clay Thompson for, like, the, the NBA most record. NBA, for yeah. most, and, and he, you know, he said something like, I don't want to just come in and force it. I just... I want to actually do it, you know, in, in, in meaningful minutes. I don't want to just come in in garbage time and just jack up a bunch of threes to say I broke this record. So I, I kind of feel like he felt the same way about becoming the all-time franchise leading scorer and that's you know i'm 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 happy for him i mean obviously i think he would have liked it to a happen at home 
and B, happening to win. Mm-hmm. When they did the celebration the other night against Charlotte, he got to kind of have a do-over on both of those things. Yeah, and that was the thing. is You go back and look at that one on the road trip. It was it was incredibly cool to have Fat Man Dame Jr. work his way down to the bench and yeah. know, grab his dad's hand. That was the, like... I bet you if you if you hook Dame up to the lie detector, that's the moment that's going to stick with him for a long time. Yeah. Like, but you could tell he was bothered in that moment otherwise because they were playing like crap. They they were mired in, in another bad game. And Chauncey alluded to this. It was the first game. They all were pressing because to they get, were all kind of like, like they wanted it to happen. Guys were deferring on shots. And like, like they just, they're playing tight. And Damon Chauncey in their own way kind of said after the Charlotte game that we're glad that that's like behind us in the sense of that stuff, but we don't want to dismiss it. Like we wanted like to enjoy it and to live in it and then bask in it. And I was, it was very cool the entire night. It was very cool. The ceremony. I'm glad it was Lamar emceeing. I'm glad you got to see LaMarcus. I'm glad you got to see Terry. Like, I think those both those guys are so pivotal in the story of Dame. You can't tell Dame's story without those two guys. Terry allowing Dame to be Dame. LaMarcus being a sounding board, but in a in a neutral manner of like the, the Dame ascension doesn't happen without LaMarcus. It's what? as awkward as that was. When do you think they're gonna retire LaMarcus's number? When LaMarcus retires. I think they'll mend those fences and come back. Cause that's the other yeah. thing is like LaMarcus is third all time score. And I think there's these, their number one all time rebounder, like something like that. <laughs> like yeah. LaMarcus is way up there for everything. So, and so but, like those I, guys matter. Hey, they do. And I was actually thinking about this the other night because I actually asked Dame if he was like happy to have this out of the way. And he acted like he wasn't even really thinking about it, which, yeah. okay. All right. But I've only covered, like, I think the one of these types of games that I've covered that stands out in the past is mm-hmm. back when I was still covering the bulls. Uh, I, it was the year, my last year on the beat was the three alphas, the Rondo Wade Butler year. <laughs> and so when Dwayne Wade went back to Miami for the first time, cause that mm-hmm. was a similar situation. Like, yeah. I mean, it's even, it's even more so because he won multiple championships there, but like what Dame is in Portland is what D Wade is in Miami. Like that's he's the, that, probably the he's, best parallel. Of he's that, he's that, that dude. He's that yeah. guy. Like he, cause up until he went to Chicago, he had, you know, he was like synonymous with one right. franchise and then he ended up going back there at the end of his career and, 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 you know, finishing it out there. But anyway, like he's like, that was the type of like reputation that he had. And so that game, he, you know, they they did I thought the Heat did a great job in that game. Like they when they were doing the player intros for the visiting team, they did like all of the fanfare and stuff for him. The entire crowd was wearing Dwayne Wade jerseys, which was which was cool. I just pulled up his box score in that game. He had 13 points on five of 17 shooting in that game, and <laughs> he was the, 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 the Bulls won, but he was like he he did not play well in that game, mm-hmm. and you know three turnovers. Like he was he was pressing, and then he said afterwards. That was the worst basketball game I've ever played, and I couldn't wait for it to be over. These Listen, this is a weird comparison, but I'll make it. Josh Hart talked about today of at practice, the whole idea of, like, yeah, I look at the standings. We all do. Like, yeah. we all look at Twitter. We all, like, everybody does. The players, when they say they're not, ta- they're not worried about a record, they're full of crap. Yeah. They are. They're, wor- they're worried about it. They're aware of it. They're thinking about it. The way that you talk, like, we've been in the locker room plenty. The way that we talk about stuff here, they talk about it in the locker room. 
Yeah, that's how this. I can't. Is. Like there was that. Remember that game between the Hawks and the Raptors, the one where like. I think it was, like, uh, Scotty Barnes that, like, completely blew a rotation and somebody had, like, a, a buzzer beating. Mm, like, and people yes. who watch this game now probably know what I'm talking about. That that game was on, just on the TV in the locker room while we were allowed in there, mm-hmm. and a couple of the players were in there watching it. And they were just looking at each other like, dude, how did he blow? Like, leave, like just, just like if it was me and you sitting in a <laughs> yes. bar watching a game, we'd be like, whoa, what, what just happened? Why did he blow that play? Like, he should have done this. Like, the players are just, like, watching these games as yes. fans like everybody else is. Like, they care about that stuff they you know and so when when it's you or like i i would imagine for like some of these younger guys who maybe grew up watching dame mm-hmm. if it now it's one of their teammates and they get to be there for something like that that's something they're going to remember for the rest of like i don't i don't know how long of an nba career greg brown is going to have i don't know how long of an nba career a lot of these guys are going to mm-hmm. have but they're going to no matter what be able to say i was there when damian lillard became the blazers all-time franchise leading scorer and he was my teammate when that happened yeah and that's that's the thing is that, especially like let's let's like with Shaden, his rookie year, he's not gonna comprehend what Damian Lillard truly is. Five, six, seven, eight years from now, it's gonna make sense to him, and he's gonna go, man, I was there for that. Like, Whenever Dame is done playing and they re- do the jersey retirement ceremony, by then you hope that Shaden is in like year four or year five and he's ascended to the level that they yeah. think he's going to ascend to and like it's his franchise now yeah, and he, but he's like those are the things that are going to stick with him and that's again to kind of wrap that up like that's what i love that for dame in this fan base that it's him that it, it that, like, who he is to his core and that's what put a smile on my face during that whole thing as i get older there's there's things that i care about less and there's things that i care about more and i start caring about these dudes as people more as i get older and that it's dame doing it the way that he's done it matters because you look around the league right now as the great as lebron is who loves him like portland loves dame and I don't, I don't know if that matters to him. The only guy I can think of that's active now, there's two that I can think of. I think, I, well, there's one. I think Jokic is getting there. Jokic is getting there and Giannis is there. I think Giannis is the other one. And that's, but that, it's such a short list, man. It, and I think that's where, in like, if you're younger, you may not get this right now. If you're listening to this and you're 16 to 25, like, go get rings. Like, trust me, I was in that same boat. And I still believe in, like, a title mattering. But as you get older and you start kind of evaluating and looking at things, you understand, like, this, that part of it matters to Damian Lillard. And it has mattered since day one, which is entirely rare for a 22-year-old kid. And the other part of it, and this is something that he said at his press conference this summer when he signed the extension, was that he wants to, you know, see it kind of go back the other way for the kind of this younger generation. And like a person, like I don't know, like I think it would be great if John Morant stayed in Memphis his whole career. It'd I think awesome. it would be great if fantastic Luca stays in Dallas for twenty. Well, they got to they got to do some stuff, and <laughs> they're, they're like that, that one. But like, yeah, but yeah, it would be cool if he did. If he did, just like it was cool that Dirk 
stayed there his whole mm-hmm. career. But like, I, I want Ja to stay in Memphis. I want Zion to stay in New Orleans. I want Giannis uh, to play his entire career. In career Milwaukee. in Milwaukee. Like, yeah. you know, Devin, like whenever Chris Paul ages out, like Devin Booker can kind of just like take whatever the next mantle of, you know, in Phoenix, especially now that they have the new ownership, like hopefully mm-hmm. that, you know, continues to be a good situation. But that's kind of the, wherever Victor goes, it would be great if he, that was the only place he ever plays. Like if Shea, yeah. like I know Shea got traded there after his rookie year, but if Shea, you know, is a, 10 or 15 year guy in Oklahoma city. That's awesome. Yes. And it was, it was really only that 10, 12 year period from 2009 ish, 2010 on until now where we saw the player movement go crazy. What if, what if it ends up being something that, and Dame alluded to this the other night. uh, It was in OKC. He was asked a question about Shea. And he mentioned that sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other yeah. side. And folks, let me tell you right now, Damian Lillard's not talking out his backside. He's talked to guys like James Harden and guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis and uh, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. Like, think about who's on Team USA. These guys talk about this stuff. And some guys probably regret some of the actions they've taken. Some guys may not, but I, th- I think it's it's an interesting shift in at least the thought process of how, not only team building, but how players go about it. Well, here's the other, like, the one that I've just always kept coming back to. Do you think if Dwight Howard could do it all over again, he would have stayed in Orlando? 100%. 100%. Because look at what happened to his career after he left Orlando. And basically, he, the reason that he left Orlando was, and honestly, like, even going back before he actually left Orlando, I think the thing that's, like, number one, the most responsible thing for ruining Dwight Howard's career was Shaq getting the t- retiring, taking the TNT job, and going on TNT all the time and being like, uh, Dwight Howard needs to post up 50 times a game. And, and, then, and then Dwight started getting away from where he wanted to play. And then he kind of got into this idea of... Uh, what he needed to be. What he needed to be. And, like, I need to go to L.A. and be in a big market and make movies. And then he went there... And it didn't go well with him and Kobe. And then he went to Houston. And then that really, like, and, and, and from then on, and like the rest of the, you know, the, the rest of his uh, career, like teams, I like, couldn't wait to be rid of him after a year. Whereas they would, none of those other teams, even if Dwight had won a champion, even like, let's say like the Dwight Nash Kobe group had actually worked out and those guys yeah. stayed healthy. They win a title. What is Dwight? Like the fifth best center in the history of the Lakers. Forget even like best player ever. Like what, whatever, like nobody's ever going to love you. Like they did, you know, Look at look at what ha- look at what's happened. To, I mean, I know he's like he's been better in the six man role with the Lakers this year, but look what's happened to Russ since he left Oklahoma City. That's what I mean. Like, now I, that I, was I, also a little bit of a different situation because I don't think you had to twist Sam's arm too hard to re to trade him and rebuild. But but Dame greenlit what happened last year. Russ could have done the same thing. Russ could have uh-huh. suffered through through a year. And he'd been uh-huh. so successful. He'd been to an NBA Finals. He, he'd been through it all. And I'm not saying that there's a right or a wrong answer to it. But that option could have been there. It, now, getting nuked by Damian Lillard in the playoffs certainly has you probably feeling a, a sort of way, especially when you find right. out that Paul George is going behind your back to get your – or, excuse me, uh, Kawhi Leonard is going behind your back to get your team eight. Like, yeah, I, I, I can see that. But even now, Russ is a god in OKC. Where he would have been, would have been Dame. And he's no closer to winning. I'd, in fact, I'd argue he's further away than he's ever been. 
And that's after multiple teams. It's because it's, this, this whole era is just going to be really interesting in 10, 15 years. When we look back on it. If things kind of go back to the way they were, I kind of hope they do swing back the other way. Just, because I don't know, I don't know. I you and I are like around the same age. We're both in our in our thirties. Yeah. We grew up with Kobe only playing for the Lakers. You think Dwight mm-hmm. or not Dwight? You think Dirk Nowitzki? You think Dallas Mavericks? You think uh, Tim Duncan? You think Spurs? You don't mm-hmm. like you don't think like you know you name a great player. You don't think like four different teams that he was on. I don't know. I mm-hmm. kind of you know go back to go back to the eighties. You think Larry Bird? You think Celtics? You think Magic Johnson? You think Lakers? Like I I kind of like I like the idea of these great players you associate with them with one team. Listen, moving teams is not a sin. Or anything it's not. No, it's not. I'm like, I think, you know, I think but, that, Le, you know, LeBron doing what he did, like, it's it, great. Fine. Whatever. But like, that doesn't need to be the norm. The it, ring chasing does not need to be. I would argue that this year is more fun for me as a neutral fan than in any year in the last five or six years, because there's not this Goliath because the West, one injury, you're in shambles. One we were bad just week. talking about we were just talking about this with Josh Hart at practice. Yes. Circle this back to Portland stuff. We were just talking about this with Josh Hart, where it's like, you know, you know, Devin Booker is out for the next month. Phoenix right now is ahead of Portland. If if Portland takes care of this home schedule, this how home heavy schedule they have over the next month, they could be you know third or fourth in the West very easily. easily. And Josh goes, listen, we probably should have won both OKC games. We dropped that Denver game. We probably should have won Clippers. That game. We dropped the Clippers game. We should have won that game. Like. And realistically, you flip those games around. What, what are they? Eighteen and sixteen right now. Yeah. So they would have. Uh, let's let's give them all four. They're they're twenty two and twelve. How different does that look? Like how different just, are we like, talking about this yes! season? Right. And it's, it's four games. And it's and like and it's like every every team is one. And that I think that's also why you know I, I think you and I are probably going to do this again in a few weeks once like the trade stuff yeah. starts picking up a little bit, but I think one of the reasons that a lot of this trade stuff, because I mean, I know you've been trying to ask around about different trade intel. You're not getting too much back. I was just in Vegas at the G League showcase last week, which it's is quiet. usually when there's a lot of stuff flying around. Everybody's kind of, there's really not a whole lot going on as far as like teams making calls, teams you talking talk about different Because right every single team, I mean, there's there's a handful of like, even just in okay. the West, like forget about these. Houston, there's like, San, Antonio. San Antonio, Oklahoma City, I think is... They're kind of frisky, but like yeah, like Shea might be so good they may have to invent a Damian Lillard type situation for him, right? Like, but they already did that like last. But anyway, like basically, yeah, yeah. Houston, San Antonio, and then let's let's put the Lakers in there, even though they're not tanking. They're I just not good. But that's that's the West. Like there's three teams that you're just not writing off. Them. There's there's twelve there's other 12 teams others that, that are, are that are one injury away from being completely out of it, and one you know five game winning streak away from being third in the West. Yeah. It's like, if I told you the Kings were the end of the season and they like a fifth or sixth seed, as crazy as that sounds, it's you not, like out, it? it's, it's not out of those. Like, there's like eight or nine, even like once you get into the playoffs, there's like eight or nine teams where if you tell me that, and Portland is included in this, in this group. If you are any team in the West right now, do you want to see the Dallas Mavericks as broken as they are, as little sense as their roster makes? Do you want to see the Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs? I saw what Luka did last night against the Knicks. I'm going to say no. no and that's the thing. None of those teams want to see Luka. None of them. None of those teams, like, you see the Clippers. They're what? Like, they're, I think they're like 12-2, and 12-4, and four or something like that when Kawhi plays. Do you trust I, it? I don't. I don't, but do you want to be the team that finds out what Kawhi and Paul George are healthy in the playoffs? Do you want to face Damian Lillard in the playoffs? 
No. Can go That's, all up and down. Do you want to face Jokic in the playoffs? Do exactly. you want to face, you know, Phoenix? Like, let's assume Booker is healthy and like like all their guys are healthy. Phoenix was a, has yes. been a juggernaut when they've had everybody healthy. Do you want that in the playoffs? No. Do you want to face Zion, Bi, CJ, and and JV? With Herb Jones and all the, all the what length? if Golden State gets their act together? Do you want to yeah, like if Steph champions. gets healthy? Like do you yeah. do you want to? We haven't even like talked about them. It's crazy. No, it's just I mean, it's like, crazy how deep it is. Memphis, do you want to face John Moran in a playoff series no. now that they've got a couple years of playoff experience <laughs> under their belt? That's the thing is like nobody wants to play anybody. I don't think there is an easy. There's certainly there's easier and there's good matchups and bad matchups for you. Right. Like if, if you're Portland, you do not want to see Dallas. Like Dallas right. is a hellscape for you. You do not have the ability to handle Luca. What are you? How are you feeling at this? Like this is way ahead of ourselves. Let's mm-hmm. assume Portland is reasonably like in the. Let's say by the end of the play-in, they are in the top eight. They are. Let's say they're sixth. Sure. So, that, so what so do you avoid it? What do you want? I think this is a team that, barring, barring a matchup with Luca, I think you can talk yourself in anybody. This is a team that is both beat and lost to Denver. I think that Denver or a Phoenix is a team that kind of lacks cohesion. I like, I think a matchup with Memphis. They've also be, beaten Phoenix two out of three times this year. Yeah. And I think Memphis is a team that kind of makes sense. Like as a good matchup job versus Dame Ant versus Desmond. I think the push is probably obviously is, is on the big side where Jerry right. is just like, if he's healthy and not fouling, he's a defensive player of the year. Like there's so many matchups. Like the the one that I am terrified of is Dallas because they just have just because Luca is so good is, that you're just he has tormented this franchise. Like they have struggled with Dallas so much since Luca got there. And they just haven't like again, there's probably five guys in the league who can consistently guard Luca or like bother him. That's part of the problem. But I think that they look at any matchup and like there's favorable and there's unfavorable, but I don't think that there's anything that they can't try to solve except for probably Luca. Like I, obviously they don't, they don't want to play Denver. They don't want to play Phoenix. Like they don't want to play uh, Memphis or, or New Orleans. Like where they have these superstar teams. Like you guys. hope for Sacramento and it's just like those guys have never yeah, been there before. Certainly. That's like best. You, you case want scenario. the untested a hundred percent. Or but, you want like the Clippers if like Kawhi isn't fully healthy, but even yeah. then it's like, I mean, for, so for me personally, just from the standpoint of like, you know, I have I have no rooting interest here one way or the other, but I'm just personally from an ease of travel slash also a compelling <laughs> uh, matchup standpoint, I'm hoping for Denver or Phoenix. Oh, I mean, here's the thing. What I want is Denver because the storylines, totally. you want to talk about a series with vitriol? Oh, yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. It got chippy a year and a half or a year and a half ago. Like, Never mind the first one. Yeah. The seven game one with the four seven, overtimes. There, there will be blood. Yeah. That's what I would say. Like for the storylines alone, put me in that. And then, you know, again, the Memphis one, let's say they get matched up with Memphis in the first round and they knock the Grizzlies out. The Grizzlies seem that John Morant says they're not worried about anyone in the West. Like, yeah, our, my producer Mario just, just threw that in the chat. Oh, perfect. There you go. That, that Josh said that in an interview. I, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I mean, like, there's so many good storylines. There's so many opportunities. There's so many things out there. It, it is a long ways away. And I, my wheels start getting spinning. I'm like, this would be super fun. But for me, what I'm interested to see, and this is like, we kind of alluded to it there a little bit, and we'll kind of revisit as we get closer, what the Blazers do. There is a world that exists where the Blazers don't make any moves at the deadline. There is I a would world be that very exists. surprised if that happened. I, I would be too. And, and I, I don't think that's the default setting. 
But there's also a world that exists where the, the move that they make is a, just a small move, a little tweak, maybe a little bit of a bench help, maybe to make the salaries make a little bit more sense, balance the books just a little bit further. Because uh, if you look at their contracts, once you get to Josh Hart's contract, you've got Gary Payton's and then like a bunch of like uh, rookie scale deals and then Justice Winslow's kind of weird deal. Yeah. Um, they probably want to find some more contracts that are in like the six to $10 million range. Because those are the ones that, that, you, you can know, use you, you the can, move to can, make the money work. Yeah, you deals. can yeah. juice other trades. So, like, I can imagine that that they try to if they're trying to set something up for the summer, that's kind of the way that they would look. So, I'm really interested to see what happens at the deadline, and then that obviously will set the table going forward. And they have a schedule that is in their favor that will allow them to push themselves up as as far as they can go in that standings list. I think the thing they have going for them as far as that is the only teams that the only games that they've lost that are against a team that they quote unquote should beat are the two Oklahoma City games. Yes. They've beaten Charlotte both times. They've beaten Houston twice. They've beaten San Antonio twice. All the actually bad teams that they've mm-hmm. faced, they've taken care of. And the OKC one. And even Oklahoma can... City, like Oklahoma City's not a playoff team, but they're frisky and Shea has been they a are. top Shea's been like a top ten player in ish in the league. Like yeah. Like that's, that's not, that's not, you're not, that's not the same thing as losing to like Charlotte or San Antonio or just not, uh, not good NBA teams at all. No. And I think that people probably go, well, listen, it's never good to lose to, they should have taken at least one of those two. Yes. Absolutely. And you, and you feel a lot better about it, but also number one injuries, number two, long road trip, number three, the, the mental parts of like the Dame stuff. Yeah. But this is the ebb and flow of a season and it shows the parody in the league and if the Blazers get into January and they get this long home stretch and they they win like sixty five percent of their games this month, I'm not going to be surprised. I can't oh yeah, not like this not is what you and this did. is what what have you and I both said over and over again since the schedule came out? Get to Christmas at five hundred, they're in great shape, and they are. They're, yeah. They got to Christmas a game over five hundred. Now is your chance. Now, if they don't make their hay between now and the All Star break, then the eyebrows start to raise. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. We're all kind of on the same <laughs> page on that one. That's probably a good place to wrap it up. People know where to get Danny. Uh, Jack Ramsey's on YouTube and on podcast platforms. Danny and Dusty, noon to three weekdays, 1080 the fan, part of the Odyssey family, just like this podcast is. Uh, follow you on Twitter, at Danny Meringue. Yep, yep. Uh, anything I'm missing? Uh, watch parties. Yeah, no, we have the watch, watch, watch playback, watch parties, which uh, we will have uh, Friday for the Warriors game and uh, the Light Years boys. I yeah. think Sam and Andy are both going to join us. Oh, at wow. Least. So crossover. A little crossover. Sam will be there for sure. Um, it'll, it'll be a fun one. Uh, Steph's going to be out. So this is another game. That yeah, that's, they, that's quote unquote out. should win. And that's the other thing. The Blazers are 500 on the road. They have 10 road wins. They played they have played 20 road games. This will be the halfway mark of their road games. It's just it's already, really, it's really insane how much of a road heavy schedule they've had before the new year. They will have half of their road games done. It's yeah, Nuts. it's absolutely wild. So. All right, Danny, thank, thanks for doing this. Hey, anytime brother.